welcome to this F1 podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Chris. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, uh, I know we've been away for a while, but we're going to be talking about this most recent Grand Prix at Silverstone, which was the first Grand Prix with a full crowd. I think there was about 400,000 at Silverstone over the four days, I want to say, um, and produced one of the most uh, controversial moments in recent F1 history. Uh, so the race just panned out pretty hectic from the start. Uh, of course, the infamous Hamilton-Verstappen incident led to a half an hour red flag uh, and then into what turned into a recovery race for Lewis Hamilton. Um, but yeah, that's what we'll be talking about today. Beautiful. So what was the opinion on the crash? Let's just get straight into it because it was a racing incident and nobody seems to want to admit that. Chris, should we start with you? What is your opinion of it? Well, I don't really have an opinion on it because I don't know. If I, it kind of looked like it was Hamilton's fault, but then some people have said it was a racing incident. Um, you know, I, I really, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm the right person to ask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes. What did you think of the the racing incident or crash? So, I hate to uh, blow my own trumpet here, but I was actually there. So, um, overall, from I so I weren't actually sat at at corpse, was it? Cops. What did I say? Corpse. Oh, sorry. That's my posh accent. I can't actually say the word cops. Cop- um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Fucking sat by the corpses. Oh uh, yeah, I was sat at a corpse corner. <laughs> but um, so I was sat at um, at, at Luffield, that's where I was. And from what I could see of those corners, Hamilton and Verstappen were really, really aggressive. It seemed almost inevitable that something was going to happen to one of them. And I think it was a toss up as to which one it happened to, because I feel like if the roles were reversed and Hamilton was on the left and Verstappen was on the right, and Hamilton was slightly ahead and Verstappen was slightly behind, the same incident would have happened. I don't think that Verstappen can hand on heart say that he would have pulled out there. I don't think, oh, that does <laughs> You said it. Yeah, um, pulled out, who do you think, because Hamilton didn't pull out in that instance and look what happened, but maybe if roles were reversed, do you think, do you think Verstappen would have pulled out of Hamilton? Let's let stop saying him? pulled out. Jess is having a, having a fit here. <laughs> well, I want to know, what are your guys' opinions of the pulling out on the race? Who do you think <laughs> Hamilton's pull-out performance was definitely poor and then look what happened? Are we done? Are we, are <laughs> we finished? finished? Are we, oh, are so we move on to the next segment. Are we done? No, I don't think we've... No, 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 no. No, we're not done, but are you done? Don't know what. What are you guys on about? I'm talking about... I think... I'm just going to move this on whether you like it or not. I think that it was a racing incident, 100%. I think that the Verstappen fans saying it was attempted murder are dramatic. And I think that the Hamilton fans saying that Verstappen shouldn't have turned in are idiots. I think that Hamilton could have taken the apex of the corner, which he didn't. But at the same time, Verstappen could have given him more room, conceded the place and had to go at him down the hangar straight. It's not exclusive. I mean, Hamilton passed Leclerc in the same corner like 50 laps later for the win. 
but that's the way it goes. And I think the fallout of it is being completely blown out of proportion. Uh, if, if the whole reason why it's so big is because they're title contenders. Realistically, Max is, Max has still come out of Silverstone top. I mean, it you know, if it was Esteban Ocon fighting for a place against Lance Stroll and that happened, people were saying about the, in a way, this might sound quite bad, but the impact oh, of... The impact on Max is not relevant to it because that's not what the penalty was for. You yeah. can't give penalties for how bad an accident turns out because yeah. what he got a penalty for was the action on track. Anything in another way, Max, Max could have equally have just stopped in the sand before the before it. The fact that Max went to hospital, although it was bad and I'm happy that he got out, is completely irrelevant to what actually happened on track. So yeah. people using that as leverage, and also it's precaution. You can't have an accident and not send somebody to, especially one like that. And yeah, it's a lot of ir immaterial and irrelevant things are being brought into the argument, which at the end of the day shouldn't happen. Yeah, I understand that the penalty is annoying some people, but you can't give a penalty to a, a worse penalty to a faster car because they know that. And yeah, it, it's difficult because yeah, Yuki Sonoda got the same penalty for crossing the white lines twice on the pit entry in Austria. Yeah, he but he, he got five penalty. seconds each time. Exactly. He but yeah. And <laughs> he you did know, it twice. That's his own fault. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's difficult. I think at the end of the day, it's a racing incident. Every single pundit I've seen says it's a racing incident, whether Max fans like it or not. Yeah. I think Matt Helmut Marco was pushing for a race suspension for Lewis or something like yeah. that, which is stupid. I mean, one of the key things that stuck for me during the initial moments of it was Christian Horner saying that, you know, oh, no one overtakes around there, around near cops. Yeah, it's a, it's a racetrack. And, and it's a racetrack. It's a racetrack. Yeah. Overtake wherever you feel like you could overtake. I, I, do, I do think that Horner and Toto dealt with it really badly. I agree. I think that they were really, I think a really good comparison. Pretty emotional, I can't who, pretty aggressive. I can't remember who it was, but it was like, uh, somebody said it's like in football when a red card's given out and the players swarm the referee. And it's, but I just thought that Toto emailing Michael Massey mid, like then was a bit much. By all means. Also like, though, incredibly Toto. Is that not like, the most Toto yeah. thing you've ever I heard from Mourinho? what, Hi, hi I there. I've uh, emailed you some graphs. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's trying to prove with that, Eve. I don't know why. And it, it was like he was the one going to the stewards repeatedly when you always you can't not give a penalty for for the contact itself. If Lando gets Lando and Perez got five second penalties and, you know, for not even being that aggressive on track. For just shepherd, not even shepherding somebody out, is somebody who put themselves in an unfortunate position, found themselves off track. Yeah. He was going to get a penalty for that regardless. You can't give a racing incident and then let let him get away with it. But yeah, I, I felt to I felt Christian was being a bit childish. I think Max was a bit childish with the message afterwards as well on Instagram. I think that was a bit much from him. Yeah, I think some restraint would have been good there. You know, yeah. you're an adult in a very adult sport, yeah. you know, that is dangerous. And I don't think playing child games is the way to go forward. No. It's um, also not great when, you know, I mean, some of the greatest rivalries in history, you know, 
Senna and Frost, those kind of things, would they didn't like each other, and that was a fact. Yeah. But actually, I think that in the sport today, you need to treat other people with respect because actually, what you do is so dangerous that if yeah. you don't like someone, it's not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a really funny tweet of. I think it's actually Valtteri's fault because he couldn't pass Max in the first corner. But um, I, I just, you know, at the end, of, the penalty itself impacted Mercedes very little. And I can see why people would be calling for a heavier penalty, but you can't justify it. Yeah. At the what, end of the day, I think... A heavier penalty, do you think? I don't even... I, I'm Just a heavier time penalty or something like that. At the end of the day, 10 seconds in a Mercedes... Nothing. It dropped him down. Drive. It That's dropped him it, down it from. That's a good drive. <laughs> yeah, it dropped him down from second to wasn't it sixth or something like that by the end of the penalty. Lando had a poor penalty that put him up to fifth. He then passed. No, I think it dropped him down to fifth because he passed. Lando had the poor penalty. I can't remember. I'm, I'm trying. No, to, Lando but, didn't have a penalty, did he? Um, Lando had Lando, the poor pit stop. Lando sorry. had a poor pit stop. Yeah. George Russell had a penalty. Yeah, and then the sprint race. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, he was always going to get past Valtteri because they were just going to let him past anyway. Yeah. And the only car he had to realistically pass on track was Charles, which, yeah, it took him to the end of the race to do, but it was a Mercedes on much fresher tyres than Charles. Charles deserves a lot of credit as well because he had a really good weekend and that Ferrari. Um, It's only going to be a matter of time before they drop off a cliff again. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody will start putting development onto the 2022 cars soon. You know, I, I don't think that there's many upgrades left for a lot of the teams. Uh, I'm anticipating McLaren will start to not even not drop back, but just lose maybe a bit of an edge if other cars continue progression a little bit. It'd be interesting to see the likes of Alpine and Aston, how far they take it, considering they've had pretty underwhelming seasons both of them. I know Fernando and Seb picked it up this race, but equally Landstroll got scared by a helicopter. That was quite funny. <laughs> it was so stupid. The, uh, every single, I, I, he has like, last season he had some genuinely good races, like in Turkey and everything, and you think maybe he's turned a corner, and then he's, now he's still fighting for 13th place, arguing, like telling his race engineer to check the car because he thinks something from a helicopter dropped on him. As if like I saying, think he thought something from the helicopter dropped on him. I think that there was a real change in downforce because of the disrupt because of the disrupted wind. Yeah. And I think that did affect the car. But I just thought it was a funny piece of radio that he was 53 seconds. Like, what was that? What was that? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think over overall, I think it's still reasonably disappointing from Aston Martin and Alpine. I don't think I, I'm slightly annoyed with Alpine's choice of driver going forward as well. It's not that I don't think Esteban Ocon is a good driver, but yeah. you've got Guan Yu Zhou, who's a very accomplished driver. You've got Oscar Piastri as well, both in F2. Christian Lungard's having a terrible season. I feel yeah. really bad for the guy, but he's also a really talented driver. And then you've got 41-year-old Fernando Alonso in for another two years. And there's no doubt he's got quality in him. But Esteban Ocon, I think, is just like, he's quite a vanilla driver. I agree. I agree. I think it's bizarre. Well, I don't think it's bizarre because obviously his manager is Toto Wolff. But I think it's odd that 
Alpine have signed him for like a good few years again because yeah. they have got a massive driver academy. Yeah. What is the point in them if you're not going to use I'm, them? I'm a big advocate for limitations on driver academies. Only because I've seen, like, Red Bull are probably the most infamous for this. But they just sign everybody and hope that it And goes. hope it's one out of ten. And it, it, they've had some really good success stories, like, outside of the sport. Like, John Eric Verne, uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, who both did really well in Formula E at the minute. Yeah. You've got Neil Gianni, who's multiple Le Mans winner. Brendan Hartley, multiple Le Mans winner. But it's all luck rather than judgment. This yeah. is not a calculated approach. This when is, if, you, if you look at Mercedes, on the other hand, yeah. they sign a driver in a blue moon and often they turn out to be really good. Yeah. Same with McLaren. McLaren have had, I think, the only real dud they have had. And I don't even know if it's a dud with Stoffel van Dorn. I think I he knew just you were going to say that. Yeah, he just came in at such a weird time for McLaren when they were going through a load of shit. It and I think it, they just kind of said, it was him, it was yeah. him. And, you're like, and now he, he's got a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. Formula E and Mercedes. And, but then they've got Lando, they've had Lewis, they've had multiple other drivers who have come through. And it's just, I think Sauber are doing pretty well at the minute. They've got Tio Pocher, who after, I don't know if you know about the news with Sauber about their drivers for 2022. About they've um, they've no longer got the Ferrari clause where Ferrari oh, can pick yeah, a driver. So there's every chance that next year we're going to see two new drivers in a Salva. And most likely you're looking at maybe maybe Ferrari will keep a foot in the door and just say, we're giving you engines, put a driver in for us. So, yeah. you know, Calamilot, dependent on how... I was going to say, Calamilot's who you want, isn't it? It's yeah, who everyone wants. And I'd like to see Tio Pacher dependent on how he can finish this F2 season. Would you? Okay. Yeah. Because I have a question because the name has just left me. Yeah. Who's the F2 British driver that was on the podium? Dan Tickton. Dan Tickton. Yeah. What do you think of him? Because I think he is making a real impact at the moment. I think he's doing very well. I I have very mixed feelings about Dan Tickton. I personally, as a person, I think he's a bit much. I think he's he wouldn't make many friends in F1. He's okay. quite an aggressive driver. I don't doubt that he's got quality, but he's just had a lot of instances where he's been very hot-headed, where in the world you can't do that, and he knows he can't do that. But equally, he's in a driver academy with a lot of competition, which Jack Aitken is the main one with that. And I think that Jack is the more complete driver of the oh. two. Yeah. I think that he's more ready for F1. If if George does get a Mercedes seat come the end of the year, or if by some miracle he ends up in another Mercedes, if, if some something happens at Aston Martin or McLaren or something like that, I, unless unless Williams make a massive jump next year, I don't see him in a Williams. But Dan Tictum is behind Aitken still in my opinion. I think he's well ahead of Nissani and Chadwick. Yeah, I, th I don't think Chadwick, Chadwick's a very good driver. I think she's shown that in W Series and what she's doing in Extreme E. But I think um, she's definitely, I think Extreme E would be better for her at the minute. I think it would open more avenues going forward. She's proved that she can do stuff in open wheel. But I think Rally, Dakar, that kind of thing, Extreme E opens so many different avenues for her. 
Yeah. And she's only, she's only what, 23? I want to say. Yeah, I want to say that too. Yeah, I think so. She's got so many years ahead of her in terms of what she actually, like, proving what she can do on the big. Sophia Flush came out and said some really annoying comments about W Series. I don't know if you saw them, but she was slagging off W Series, saying that, um, oh, the, the two people who, like, were on the podium in the first week were 27 and 28. This isn't a development sport for women or anything like that. And you're just there, like, shut the fuck up. Like, shut up. I guess, like, is it kind of like, is it meant to be? It no. would, It naturally does develop. I mean, their youngest drivers, what, like 18, 19? Yeah, they've got the, the two development drivers. But the thing is, in the, in the induction season, you're always going to, you're just going to have to make do with the drive and there's no doubt that the drivers they've got are really good quality drivers there as well these yeah. are not just drivers that you know have been slumming it out in the bottom the younger drivers i know there's a bell and garcia was doing a euro cup this year i think and she was doing all right with that um and you've got a lot of drivers who show a lot of promise there yeah it's gonna and this will be the generation which bring in the the younger demographic of female drivers which will then produce it into a development sport i was trying to explain this to someone the other day that why it's taking so long for female drivers to get good seats so, go on so, chris chris can can you have female drivers in the top f1 or is it like a male only yeah. sport no yeah you can you can um no. i can't who was the last uh, the, the last like pinnacle of Motors, I think she won. Uh, I think she was a rally driver who was like the last one to do it on the big stage. But we've had um, test There's drivers and that woman kind of who thing. passed away recently. Yeah. Did yeah. Top, that? But, um, I know the last two test drive female test drivers that F1 have had it, that they didn't go particularly well. I think one of them is now very outspoken about women in F1. And has said some very, and I think the other one unfortunately passed away due to complications that she had during an accident in testing. But yeah, you you can buy me, and there will be in the future. There's no doubt for me anyway that there will be. Well, I mean, um, it's Leah Lombardi who was the last woman the to drive one. a Formula yeah. One car, and that was in I've googled it, um, yeah. 1976. Yeah. It's not that women can't, it's that women don't get the funding. Yeah. Kind of thing. You need funding to make it through F3 and F2. Yeah. You need, you know, you the, need someone rich to sponsor. The last, the last one that's come close is Tatiana Calderon, who was in the Sauber Academy. And in her time in F2 and F3, it's not, she didn't show much promise, I think is fair to say. But she's now i think she's now doing okay in i think she's doing super formula over in japan and she's doing testing with aj floyd i want to say in indycar so you it's it's completely possible and i think that it's only a matter of time i think there's a really promising japanese driver in for this shows my really niche knowledge of motorsport here um i think her name's uh, something i don't know her first name but i know her second name's noda and i know she's in danish f4 this year and she's supposed to be this unbelievable talent that is good but yeah it, it's a matter of time before it happens in my eyes i think that another thing that limits it for all potential drivers is just the lack of teams on the grid 
that's another i mean it's not it's not even just women drive there's plenty of talented junior formula drivers that have slipped through the cracks that i would have loved to see it uh, artem markalov my, my go-to is artem markalov after he pulled off a triple overtake at austria a few years ago watching him in an f1 car would have been unbelievable but Mine, mine is Nick DeFries. Exactly. Nick DeFries, again, he was in the McLaren Academy for a bit. He was in the Mercedes Academy for a bit. And he's got a pretty good deal at the minute, it, I'd say. Formula, it, yeah, definitely. 100%. But, um, he hasn't fallen short in that regard. Yeah. Formula, he's great. But I just really wanted him to see him in that Formula One car kind of thing. Like he was the F2 champion. How yeah. has the F2 champion not got an F1 seat? Yeah. It, it, and I think that the more teams that enter f1 the better i think it gives more opportunities across the board it, it there's just so many drivers who unfortunately will never reach where they want to reach and there are other avenues they can go to i know a lot of them have gone into uh there's like so dorian boccalacci's doing porsche super cup you've got um jack aitken calamai lot are both doing uh, endurance racing now and but you've just questioned i know it's the pinnacle of motorsport and you can't just let anybody in but there's plenty of drivers who have shown what they can do and there's every possibility they'll never get that opportunity. Yeah, I would love for there to be 11 teams, not 10, because I yeah. think two extra drivers would just make such a difference. Yeah. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even two extra drivers. You've got two extra drivers plus a reserve, plus yeah. a simulator driver in, and uh, potentially a whole nother driver academy. In yeah. there, dependent, but I know it's expensive, but you yeah. know, like, I mean, even if it's, uh, and there's rumors that Alpine want to have a junior team as well. There's every chance that if they do that, that's two more drivers in the Alpine Academy. It, it, they've got quite a backlog at the minute. Silly question, yeah. How are Alpine so rich? I didn't know who they were really. So, Alpine is the sports, like, it's the sport car division of Renault. That's okay. all it is. It's like, um, Lotus and Catrum when they did that, Renault and Lotus, when they did that a few years ago. Got Similar you. story there. So I think the only car that Alpine have is that little Roadster one. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to like, you know how car brands have a luxury manufacturer. So you've got Toyota and then you've got Lexus. It's like that, but you've got Renault. So okay. the brand itself isn't particularly new. They've had, they used to do um, rallies quite a lot and um, they've had a few. They've had an endurance team for a while now, but I think it's just kind of streamlining it all into one, one thing really. But if they did have an, a, a, a junior team, that's Grand Joe and Oscar Piastri or Lungard in the seat with a test driver of one of the three of them. You could have a simulator driver from F3. Something like you know, Alpine have got a real yeah. problem at the minute. Same with Red Bull, though. Red Bull have got. It's suffering from neck. success. It's suffering from success a lot of the time. I'm not yeah. going to sugarcoat that. But when the opportunities dry up, you've then got to cut a load of drivers. Yeah, and That's I also think, and I mean, don't get me wrong. This driver has been amazing in that car. Like he said, it's taken five races, and it has. But Sergio Perez has slightly mucked up the Red Bull way of things. Because now they've got, you know, they've got so many like juniors below them wanting to come up. Uh, right. They my, my opinion is that Sergio Perez hasn't done much better that I know he's got a race win, but I don't think he's done overly better than Albon. I I personally would agree, but I didn't know if that's because I really like Albon, so I didn't know if I was I do as well. I, I just I don't know if I mean this weekend he messed up 
that was his mistake. He spun it. You've got the time penalty that he incurred at Imola. Twice. Twice. You've got the penalties from Austria last week as well. Twice. It, it, it's just a lot of what seemed like rookie errors. But then you've got... It's a lot of what happened to Alex Albon. He yeah. used a lot of penalties, didn't he? And he used to have a lot of crashes as well. And it's, people used to be like, why? Yeah, it's from what I've... The way I'm describing it is it's very much the same as what Nicholas Latifi's going through at the minute with Williams. You're being pitched up against this unreal specimen of like motor racing ability. Yeah. And it's not that you're a bad driver by any means. It's just the fact that the person you're pitched against is aggressively better than you are. Yeah. I, and I could not agree more with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, Nicholas Latifi, I think, has come on leaps and bounds this last year. I, I don't know if that's because the Hasses are behind him, and it, you know, it, but but I think his qualifying pace has improved. I, he's not lingering towards that. He's challenging the Salvers. I think that that's probably the best we're going to get out of him. But yeah. at the same time, when George Russell's putting it in Q3 for three weeks consecutively, beating Ferraris on those occasions, you've got no chance. Yeah. But yeah. Red, Red Bull at the minute, they've got Yuri Vips is doing really well. Liam Lawson's doing really well. Jayhan Daruvla's doing okay. I yeah. think it's fair to say, but then you've got Johnny Edgar, you've got Dennis Howell going F3, you've got all these drivers. It's just unfortunate that they don't have a Max Verstappen waiting in the wings kind of and thing. it's also like, unfortunate for Pierre Gasly, who's going to be shafted in the near future. Yeah, yeah, he probably is best in, isn't he? And yep. that's, you know, and that's what I mean by people taking up the space in Red Bull because really, you you stick or you drown, kind of thing. That's kind of how it is there, isn't it? You know, you get one season to prove yourself. If you don't do it, you're out pretty much. But it's just Pierre Gasly is one of the top ten drivers on the grid. I'd it, say. Yeah, I really. Um, it'll be it'll be awful if he doesn't get if he doesn't have a seat. He'll get ousted for Sonoda. Sonoda will get the Red Bull call before him. It'll be in two years' time. It'll be Sonoda and Verstappen. Which I do not think will be a good combo because they're both a bit hot-headed. Yeah, but I I just don't... See, I see Gasly nowhere. Speaking of Tissanoda, I've got a bit of a confession that, Chris, you're going to be incredibly jealous of. I have uh, I picked up a bit when we mentioned uh, Tissanoda. Of course you did. Do you want to know who actually... I didn't meet him, but I saw him from about 10 metres away. You were so close. Did you ask him about Actimals? You should have loved an Actimal Latin. Oh, my God. That didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, the backstory is for listeners, because I feel like maybe you should explain that, is that we like to drink Actimals in the morning, me, Chris, and Charlie. Charlie likes the knockoff versions, though. No, no, um, I like the chocolate <laughs> version. The chocolate versions are good. And um, But we once saw a photo of Tissanoda's breakfast, and it contained an Actimal. So ever since then, we have been very sure that we will one day speak to him and give him an actor mail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he came to the Silverstone experience. And for those of you who don't know, that is where I work part time. Uh, he came there on Thursday morning and it, he was lovely. He was, the, he was the driver that I was least expected to come and visit, though. Bless him. We've got so many British drivers. None of them came. And poor little Tsunoda from Japan was like, so is this the British history? And we're like. It's a bit that matters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so here we have the actor mail section just for you. <laughs> just for you. 
Yeah, he came to look at the bikes mainly. He was he was, had a really good time, I think. Oh. Right. Um, how was it? How was his was his language? Was he uh, as hot headed as he normally is? Or oh, I didn't. Well, he didn't swear at me from a distance, but <laughs> I didn't speak to him. <laughs> Where's the fucking axe of house? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't speak to him. He oh. was there with you know like a little group of people, and I was just kind of stood cleaning something or something. <laughs> Yuki. Are you ready for my challenge? Yes. Yeah, go on. Let's do your challenge. Have you all got a piece of paper and a pen and or pencil? Yes. So this challenge has two segments. We're going to call it the Silverstone Special. Okay. Segment number one is that you have, I don't know, a couple of seconds, as quick as you can do, really, to draw without any labels the Silverstone Circuit. Okay. okay. Ready? Three, yeah. two, one, go. Done it. So for all our audio listeners at home, we're currently drawing. No, they can be just fine. They'll see what's going on in a minute. Right. Are you ready? I've fucked it. Well, put it right. Show them then. Oh God. Oh, I, I messed oh, up God. the like. Oh, God. This bit here is where it went Let wrong. Let me describe for the audio listeners what we've got going on. So, my one is uh, what I would personally like to call a work of art. Um, Chris's is a tooth, uh, and Charlie's is the letter L, but it's kind of in that like funny Joker font that you used to get when you were a kid. It's aggressively small, mine. Um, so, you're going to really struggle with the next segment because we've got a couple of seconds now. You've got to label as many of the corners as you know. Go on, go on, go on, we can do it, we can do it. Right, Maggots and Beckett's is the fast one here. No, you can't say them out loud. No, I normally make the quiz. I never realised how uh, annoying these can be. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I'm done. See, much like an F1, it's not about how well you do it, it's about how quickly you do it. And I've finished first, so in the fashion of F1... Yeah, I that's because th- you only know, like, two. <laughs> well, no, I think I've actually been pretty clever with how I've named mine. Have you? Okay. Uh, wait, I'm nearly there. I've got a few, but I think I've missed out a lot. Do you? Okay. Chris, do you want to go first? Yep, so... Oh, wait, uh, me to, let me finish doing mine. Okay, so for the audio listeners at home... I'll um just now check. furiously writing. Yeah. Why don't you try along at home? Rewind the podcast and try along at home. <laughs> tweet us, tweet us your submissions to it. We'll post ours online. Oh god, yeah. Tweet us at hashtag that F1 podcast. Okay, I think I'm ready. Okay. Do you want to go first, Chris? Yeah, so I've gone for I've gone for this one I've said is the first corner. Yeah. So that's the second corner. That's the third corner. I've sort of done that around every corner point. Are you telling me you don't know a single corner at Silverstone? Uh, I, I, isn't one of the corners named after like a local farm? Right, we're going to move on from Chris there because that was just stupid. Right. <laughs> I've got some. Go on. Put them, right. in, put them in the air. I want to see them. So, can I just read them out? Because my handwriting's a bit shite. No, we want to see it as well. 
I've, I, I, they're not in any order. I've just sort of written them around. So right. we've got the Lewis Hamilton straight. Yeah. I mean, it's the Hamilton straight, but, you know. Hang, hangar straight and the Wellington yeah. straight. Yeah. Chapel. Yeah. Abbey. Yeah. Brooklands. I didn't get Brooklands. Well done. Stowe. Yeah. Maggots and Beckett's, which is the fast bit. Yeah. And that's about it. Okay. Are you ready for like, I haven't got all of them. I'm sorry, I've just business. clocked it. You work at the Silverstone Experience. This isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got all of them, but I can show you. So, start off at the Hamilton Strait. You then go yeah. up the loop. You then go to Antry, something like that. Oh, I, yeah. And yeah. yeah. You then go down the Wellington Strait into Luffield, Woodcott, and then there's Brooklands in the middle there. Thank Woodcott. you. Woodcott. Yeah. And then you go up the National Pits. That is the old pits area, which is where F2 is actually used the pits. You then go down to Corpse. Yep. You then go to Maggots, Beckett's Chapel. You go on the Hanger Strait, then you go to Stowe. There's one more here that I can't remember. You then go into Abbey, and then you're on the Hamilton Strait. So where's Brooklands then? Did I make Brooklands up? No, Brooklands is between Luffield and... Oh, Luffield. Luffield's the one I forgot as well. Okay, that's fine. It might, be, it might be Chapel, the one next to Abbey. No, it goes Maggots, Beckett's and Chapel. Oh, it's Chapel, then Abbey. Ignore me. Yeah. Yeah. Abbey oh. is like the last corner. What I cannot remember is what is between Hamilton Strait and the Loop. I don't know if there is anything. Yeah, there is. There is. There is. I'm going to get out the map. There is. And from one traumatic experience to another, let's do the quiz. <laughs> yeah, my time to shine. We've <laughs> only got my three questions this time. Okay. So wait, wait, let me get the circuit up quickly so that I can see what I was missing. Oh, no, shit. Um, Abbey is wrong. That is where Club is. And Abbey is at the other end of the Hamilton Strait. Stupid, stupid Jess. And the... The corner above club is called Vale. Ah! Anyway, carry on. Are you guys ready? Yeah. 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 This is good. Woo! Okay, question one. Why is the Silverstone racetrack called Silverstone? Yes. Yes. Well, it's because the village next to it is called Silverstone. Yeah, and what goes to Jess? Come on, Charlie. You've got to be more on this. This is my Question week. Two. Which driver has the most Silverstone wins? Charlie. Oh, Charlie was in first. Lewis Hamilton. Okay, bonus point. How many? Eight. Yes. Oh. It's his bonus point. All right. Oh, so Charlie's now got the lead with two. Jess, you're on one. Is this the final question? <laughs> this is the final question. Eight. <laughs> well, either Charlie wins or it's a draw. <laughs> this is such an unfair quiz. Where did Yuki finish? Yes. Charlie. Oh, that was... Charlie, what do you think it is? Tenth. What do you think it is, Jess? Thirteenth. Oh, Charlie gets it anyway. It was tenth. <laughs> oh. That was an unfair quiz. How was that an unfair quiz? Because when Jess gets an answer right, there's no bonus bonus answer. No, but when what, Charlie what, gets one right, there's a bonus answer. Okay, bonus question. What's the average population of that village to the nearest thousand? Charlie. Go on. It's my bonus point! <laughs> okay, what, what do you think it is? 
5,000. Well, I don't know because I didn't Google it. <laughs> hey, Siri, how many people live in Silverstone? I reckon it's 10,000. It's a small village. The population of Silverstone, Northamptonshire, was oh. 1,742. Oh, sorry. If you just said 2,000 or 1,000, I would have given you a point and you've drawn. <sighs> sorry. I don't make the rules, I just enforce them. Oh. You do very much make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so next race out is Hungary. I want to sure? say it's Hungary. It might be. I don't I, know. I think it is Hungary. I think it's next week. Yeah, next weekend in Hungary, and we're back to the regular format of practice one, oh, practice then, two, practice three, qualifying yeah. race. And then it's Belgium, and then, then we're on holiday. Well, Belgium. holiday then Belgium. Yeah, it's Belgium subject to if it's under four feet of water still. Oh, it's it, it's and then we've got a triple header. Oh yeah, Belgium, Netherlands, Italy. That is so that, Belgium Grand Prix because if it rains, they could go for what Mario Kart does, where you go underwater and the tires just sort of suction crap on. And then... <laughs> I think I think you need a bit more than that if you live in uh, Belgium, Germany, or the Netherlands at the moment. Uh, you need what is called a boat. <laughs> Um, I'm so the first to... fact about the Belgian Grand Prix, then I can I can get these out. Uh, there is 70 laps of the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, the circuit is 4.3 kilometers long, and the first Grand Prix held in help. Oh no, this is all hungry, awkward. I was going to say 70 laps of Spa would no, be a, would be about hungry. Everyone, it's calm down. Be just over two no, hours of racing. I'm talking about the Hungarian ring. Yeah. It's known as the Monaco. Uh, what is it? is it? Isn't it just Monaco, but on a track or something like that's what it's known as. Monaco, yeah, with, Monaco got, without the walls. It's got um, one DRS zone as far as I can see. I thought they were like just really close to each other. So I thought no, you had the one so straight. It's, then so it's one pitch straight. Yeah. All the way up, and then you do pretty much 180 to come back. Yeah. And then you kind of 180 again for a tiny bit and then you go out and round and then you come back again and then you go 180, 180 and up again. Yeah. It looks like quite an interesting circuit. So I mean, basically, it's a Red Bull win. Um, yeah. It's a low downforce circuit. It'll be a Red Bull win. Ferrari will be buggered. Wait. You need to do your driver predictions. Don't start Sorry, spewing we stuff. Do. Chris is going to... Um, okay. Go on, you can go first, Charlie. Verstappen... Hamilton Lando. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think it will be uh, Lando, Hamilton, Verstappen. Isn't it, but just a, a note, isn't it great that we think Lando is going to get a podium as I could give It's it? only because my confidence in Valtteri Bottas wavers Waver every single so week. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Verstappen. Hamilton, Lando, but I'm going to have to switch it up. So I'm going to say Hamilton, Verstappen, Lando. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it either way. Can't wait for another triple. It's hungry next week. Then we've got a break. Then it's Belgium, Zandvoort, Monza, which is such a good triple header. That is an unbelievable triple header. So excited for Monza. But it just depresses me that in an unknown quantity of, of months, we're going to be back in Russia. Yeah. Again. Oh no! Oh no! Singapore got cancelled, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's it's Monza, then a week off, then September the twenty sixth, 
by the time we'll be done with our masters we'll be racing in russia (laughs) well on that note we'll see you all next week catch you next week or the week after that even